Amen, amen. Thank you, Michael, for leading us in worship this morning. Let's give Michael another round of applause in our worship team. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and turn to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 6. Um, as today, we are concluding our summer uh, sermon series simply titled, Lord, I Want to Know You, a study on God's name. And so as you are turning there, um, I just want to say this to you rather quickly. Uh, thank you for allowing uh, me and my family to go on a vacation this past week, and I will not mention to you that uh, I enjoyed waking up every morning to 61 degrees. I'm not going to say that I really enjoyed that. It was marvelous. 61 degrees every morning, 78 for the high, and it was wonderful. And so, but thank you for that. Greatly, greatly appreciate that. And also let you know that nine years ago today, my family and I left Warner Robins to come to Brunswick to come be your pastor. And so it's been a good weekend. So thank you. So here we are this morning, <clears throat> we are concluding our summer series, Lord I wanted to know you, a study on God's name. And here's what we have learned in this series, or I hope that you have learned this, and this is what we've learned. <clears throat> Everybody has a God, I want you to say that with me. Everybody has a God. We know that everybody worships something, but here's the two questions that go along with that statement that everybody has a God. Who is he and what is he like? And so in this study of knowing who God is, <clears throat> excuse me, and knowing the names of God, we want to know him so that we can worship him. Psalm 34, the psalmist said this in Psalm 34, oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And, and I love what Michael said just earlier about when we say our father in heaven, this is us. And the psalmist has said, let us exalt his name together. So that when we come together on Sunday mornings, and that's how we do it at First Baptist Church Brunswick, we gather together on Sunday morning as the body of Christ, and we come to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we are fulfilling what the psalmist has already said, that we come here to magnify the Lord's name, and we're to exalt God's name together. And the only way that you and I can really exalt God's name is if we know him and know what God's name is. In this series, we've looked at different names, but in the Bible, there are over 250 names for God the Father and God the Son. Listen to some of these verses that we find in scriptures about God's name. Psalm 8 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, which means this, that God's name, it's marvelous, it's powerful, it's majestic, it's the greatest name in all of the earth. Psalm 910, which has been a key verse in this series, the psalmist says this, those who know your name, O God, those who know your name will put their trust in you. And so as we study God's name, the goal has always been that we put 
our trust in God. Psalm 20, verse 7, many of you may know this one. It says this, some boast in chariots and some boast in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. And here's the great thing about when you know God and you know him personally and you know his name, here's what you're going to do about that name. You're going to boast in that name. You won't boast in your own power. You won't boast in your own strength, but instead you will boast in the name of the Lord our God. And so that's been the whole idea behind this series. Lord, I want to know you. Why? I want to trust you and I want to boast in you. And so far in this series, here's what we have learned about God or studied the names. We've studied Abba Father, that God is our Father. We've looked at Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Jehovah Nisi, who is God our banner. Uh, Jehovah Sabaoth, God of power. Jehovah Rapha, God is our healer. Then Britain preached last week on Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. And today, the last name that we're going to study in this series is this. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Let's say that name together. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. And at the end of our time this morning, we are going to observe the Lord's Supper. It is, I'm real excited about what God wants to share with us this morning through his word. Uh, the Hebrew word for shalom is peace, or the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. The Greek word is irene. Uh, the, Lord, the word peace is used over 450 times in Scripture. You'll hear, you'll recognize some of these verses. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, when the angels cry out to the shepherds out in Bethlehem, they say this, glory to God in the, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Paul writes later in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can have peace with God. Paul would later write that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Paul would later say in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Numbers chapter 6, we have what's called the rabbinic blessing. In Numbers 6, verses 24 through 26, you, you're probably familiar with these words when it says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now what's interesting about the rabbinic blessing is this, is that whenever a rabbi would give this blessing, he would make this hand sign. You see this? Do we have any Trekkies in the building today? Star Trekkies, how many of you remember that? Watch Star Trek, and there was a character on uh, that uh, series by the name of Spock, Leonard Nimoy. Spock, when he would greet people, he would greet them with the hand sign that looked what? Just like this. Peace and blessings, let live long and prosper. This was the, the Vulcan blessing. When Leonard Nimoy was playing the role of Spock, the creators of the movie said, come up with a hand sign for the blessing. And Leonard Nimoy is Jewish. And he went all the way back to as a little boy when he, rem when he would remember 
that the rabbi would do this. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and may he give you peace. Go Spock. <laughs> Have you learned something so far this morning? You're gonna go watch Star Trek in the air conditioning today. It's what you're gonna do. But peace, peace, we see peace all throughout scripture. Jesus, the prophet Isaiah said this, that he shall be called the prince of peace. On multiple occasions, Jesus will look out over the people and say, peace be upon you. How about the time on the Sea of Galilee when the Sea of Galilee was raging and roaring and the waves are crashing over the boat? What does Jesus say? Probably did this, peace. He said, peace. And what happens? And what did the disciples say? Surely he's God. In John chapter 14, Jesus said these words. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, but as I give you, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. And when you see those words of Jesus, what we notice when Jesus says, my peace I give to you, what we see in that phrase alone, but what Jesus says is this, is that peace is not something that you work for. You can't demand peace to come into your life. You can't work hard enough for peace. You can't try hard enough for peace. You can't beg for peace. You can't plead for peace. But you can receive it. And Jesus says, my peace I give to you. And so the peace of Jehovah Shalom is something that must be given and must be freely received. But would you all agree that we live in a world that is full of stress, anxiety, and tension? Would you all agree with that? As I was driving back home from a very peaceful time in the mountains, did I tell you it was 62, 63 degrees in the morning? Did I tell you all that? A very peaceful time. And we make it out of the mountains and it turns 120 degrees just like that. I was thinking about the children's nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty. You remember that? Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty. And all the, and all the, they couldn't put Humpty. I was thinking about that nursery rhyme and thinking about the peace of God. And I began to think that, you know, the reason many people don't have peace is because they are just like Humpty Dumpty and they've taken a great fall and they're broken. And you look at our world and we've tried all the king's horses. We've tried all the king's men. And we realize that we can't put, what, Humpty back together again. When you and I look at Jehovah Shalom, that word shalom, yes, it means peace. But here's what it also means. It means to be put back together whole again. And church, let me just tell you, you may be broken. 
you may have taken a great fall. And you yourself may have tried all the king's men. You have tried all the king's horses. But let me tell you this. The only place that you can run to find true fulfillment and true peace is when you run to Jehovah Shalom. God, our peace. Well, where do we learn this story? Where do we learn this name of Jehovah Shalom? We find it in Judges chapter 6. And so in Judges chapter 6 is the first time we are introduced to the name of God, Jehovah Shalom. I'll give you a little background to it. The book of Judges, we have Moses and Joshua have died. The Israelites have entered into the promised land. Uh, The land uh, has been divided among the 12 12 tribes, but the people aren't united and there's not peace. And they are going through a difficult time. And I want you to pick up this story, and we're just going to work our way through these uh, next couple of verses. And we're going to do this very quickly so we can get to uh, spend some time meditating on our Lord's Supper. But pick up with me in verse number one in Judges chapter six. And if you're with me this morning, say amen. And God's word says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian for seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens, which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. Donkey, you can see this is utter destruction. Do you agree with that? I mean, this is massive destruction for seven years. Verse 5, they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like locusts for number. Now, that's a key phrase there. When it says they came in like locusts, here's what's happening. This is a fulfillment of what God said would happen to the nation of Israel when they turned their back on God and started following all the gods of the land instead of him. Here's what God said he would do. I will cause your land to be filled with locusts. This is a fulfillment of what God has already said, and it's coming true. They come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable. And they came into the land to devastate it. In verse 6, and so Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. And so what we see here so far in these just six verses, we see a people of God that are going through a very difficult time. I I think it's very similar to our culture today. What we see in in Judges chapter 6 is we see see that worship is, is, is lax. The people of God are not giving their all uh, to him. We hear today that church attendance is declining. We hear that the church of Jesus Christ is, is going by the wayside. That's what we hear today. Now, I don't believe that, but that's what we hear. We also see in, in Judges chapter 6 that the generations are forgetting who God is the forgetting the Lord, meaning grandparents and parents haven't passed down their faith to their children, and the generations behind forget them. This is one of the reasons why we as First Baptist Church Brunswick, we focus on being a multi-generational faith, right? That we pass this on, that we want multiple generations all together in worship together, because the old can learn from the young, and the young can learn from the old. Amen? 
And so we want to be multi-generational, but here we don't see that in Judges chapter 6. And what we see, and we see this in our culture today, is that the people of God wanted to look just like the culture. In Judges 6, they wanted to look just like the culture, meaning they were following the other gods. They would see the other countries being uh, prosperous and successful, and they would think, well, let's do it the way that they are doing it. And they turned their back on God. And in verse 1, it says that Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and God gave them over to the enemy. And this is the book of Judges. You read the entire book of Judges, and it's a cycle. You see, Israel does evil, God gives them over to the enemy, Israel cries out, and then God sends them a deliverer. This happens over and over and over, and that's the story of Gideon. He is a deliverer. The first deliverer of Israel was a man by the name of Othniel. He was an old man who had no natural power. But what he did was this, is he took the people of God back to God's word. And under the first judge, Othniel, he brought revival and reformation, and he brought the people back to God's word, and peace came. The second judge was a man by the name of Ehud, who was left-handed. He was left-handed because his right hand was deformed. He could not open it up. But through a left-handed man, God delivered Israel, and there was peace. The third judge was a man by the name of Shamgar, who was a farmer who used an ox goad to, to kill many of the enemies, and he used what was available to him. And so the first three judges, we see this. We have an old man, a deformed man, and a farmer man, and the fourth judge was a woe man. I worked hard on that one. I really did. But you know her by the name of Deborah. And Deborah rose to leadership because men were scurrying off. And God raised up Deborah, this woman of God, to deliver the nation. And she delivered the nation and brought peace to the land. But Again, Israel rejected God, and God gave them over to the enemy, and now God raises up this judge by the name of Gideon. And we see that Gideon receives three entire chapters. Gideon is an important leader. And what we learn about Gideon is this. We learn about God as Jehovah Shalom. And what we see here in Judges 6 is the Midianites have come against Israel. Who are the Midianites? The Midianites are actually Israel's stepbrother. Can families fight? Yeah, they can, can't they? I don't remember the story of Abraham. Abraham and his wife Sarah had a boy by the name of Isaac. Remember that? After Sarah dies... Abraham marries again, marries a lady by the name of Keturah, and they have a boy by the name of Midian. And when Midian gets old enough, Abraham says to Midian, you can't live in the land of Canaan. Abraham was a really good dad, don't you think? He says, you need to leave the land. And when Midian leaves the land, because Abraham had given the land to Isaac, Midian got upset. And from that point on, the Midianites came after the Israelites time and time and time again. And here in Judges chapter 6, the stepbrother is winning. The stepbrother is beating up the brother. He's trying to take back that which belongs, he's trying to take away that which belongs to his rightful brother. 
This sounds a whole lot, a lot like Satan, does it not? Satan so many times wants to steal what is rightfully yours, which is peace, and he wants to steal it from you, and he will beat you up to get it away from you. But know this, child of God, you belong to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his name is Jehovah Shalom. Well, let's see what we can learn about this story. Here's three things we can learn about Jehovah Shalom. Write this down. Number one, you can come to know Jehovah Shalom when you believe that God is working in your situation. Look at verse number 11. I want you to listen to this dialogue between the angel of the Lord and Gideon. This is a great dialogue, but this is, you can receive peace when you believe that God's working in your situation. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. Now stop there for just a second. There's no fanfare in the angel of the Lord showing up to deliver Israel. What does the angel of the Lord do? How does he show up? What does he do? He just what? He just sits under the oak tree. Wow! Nothing big. There's no writing in the sky. He just sits under the oak tree. Now, this is actually a pretty big deal because the oak tree um, was the symbol of the gods of the Midianites and the Canaanites. Uh, the Midianites, who were part of the Canaanites, they believed and they worshiped in the, Be the gods of Bel and Asherah. And Bel and Asherah used the oak tree as an image of their god. And so here's the angel of the Lord, which I believe this is Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. This is Jesus Christ showing up to Gideon, and what does Jesus do? He sits down with his back up against what? The oak tree, right? Now, why is he sitting up against the oak tree? Because it's a tree. That's it. It's pretty deep, isn't it? Thank you for coming to First Baptist Church Brunswick today. Because that's deep theology, right? He just sat up against the tree. Why? It's a tree. It's a tree. And so when the angel of the Lord sits with his back up against the tree, it is a sign to Gideon that the angel of the Lord has power over all creation. He has power over all situations. And so casually, the angel of the Lord comes and sits down at the tree while, while Gideon is going through a very stressful situation. Pick up verse number 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now what was Gideon doing when the angel of the Lord showed up to him? He's hiding. <laughs> He's hiding in a wine press, which is at the bottom of the mountain, and he's beating the wheat. If you were to beat the wheat, you would do it on top of the mountain so the wind would take the chaff and blow it away. But Gideon's at the bottom of the mountain, and he's hiding because he doesn't want the Midianites to come after him. So when the angel of the Lord says to him, Oh, valiant warrior, does that fit there? No, he's hiding. He's stressed. He's worried. There is no peace in his life. But folks, here's the great news about Jehovah Shalom, that when you are lacking peace or you're in a stressful situation, here's what we know about Jehovah Shalom. He sees you as you really are. 
He sees you as you, as who you really are. You're not afraid. You're not nervous. Who you are is you are a child of the living God. And some of you today, you need to hear this word. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. You need to hear that. That no matter the situation you're going in and going through, as a child of the living God, you are a valiant warrior. And you fight from victory, not for victory. And because of that, you can have peace. Well, look at verse number 13. Are y'all still with me this morning? Look at verse 13. And Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, are you really calling me a valiant warrior? If the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? Why has my stepbrother come after me? Where are all your miracles which our fathers told us about? And where is, and saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has what? Abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Isn't that so like us as humans that when we get in a bad situation and things don't go the way we think they ought to go, what do we usually go to? God, why have you what? Why did you leave me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you done that? Folks, here's, here's what I know. When you one thing that keeps us from peaceful circumstances and one thing that keeps us uh, being all tense and being nervous and stressed out in life is, is, is that you want an explanation from God. You ever that way? God, why is this happening to me? God, why did you allow this? God, what's going on? What is happening in my life? Why is this going on in my life? And here's what I know, folks, is that whenever you question God over and over, why, 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 you keep yourself in turmoil and you, provide, and you, and you bring about anxiety in your own life. Can I say something that's really difficult to hear? I, I want all ears to hear this. God doesn't owe you an explanation. Amen? He doesn't owe you an explanation. Now, can I be honest with you? That stinks. Right? I don't like that. Because there have been things that have happened in my life, there's been things that happened in what? In your life, and you go, why? And sometimes God chooses to remain what? Silent. And we say, why? And we almost demand something from him. But children of God, God does not owe you an explanation. He does not owe you an explanation. He's the creator, and you are his creation. But listen, you can trust him. You can trust that he's working in your situation no matter what you are going through. Amen? And this is what Gideon is learning. He's learning. I can't see what's going on, 
But God, I've got to trust that you are working in the situation, and I'm going to trust, and I'm going to believe that you are working in the situation. And when you believe that God is working in your situation, you will receive peace. Here's number two. You come to know Jehovah Shalom when you trust God is near. Let's look at this. Continue on to verse number 14. As Gideon and God continue to have this dialogue, book of verse 14. And the Lord looked at Gideon and said, Go in this strength and deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. What does God offer in Gideon's stressful situation? Does he offer an explanation? No. Does he offer a strategy? No. What does he offer? His presence. Three times in this story, God says, Gideon, I will be with you. 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 Folks, it's amazing what you and I can accomplish when we know that God is with us. Amen? It's amazing what you can accomplish when you know that God is with you you. Last year, uh, when I went through my chemo treatments, many of you provided food, you provided transportation, you provided encouraging words, and some of you would come just and sit with me. And sometimes when you would sit with me, I'll be honest with you, I just did not have the strength, energy, or desire to talk. But can I tell you something? Just knowing that somebody was near me made all the difference in the world. Just knowing that I had somebody at the end of the couch or in another room or, or wherever, just knowing that I had somebody near me brought all the comfort in the world that I needed. Actually, just having somebody near me brought me, brought me encouragement to keep on fighting that we're going to get through this. And we never said a word to one another. Just being close, being near, being in somebody's presence just strengthened me to, to keep going on even though things were difficult. Folks, that's the way it is with God's presence. God is near you. You're not alone. You will never be alone. And God is near you through whatever you're going through. Here's God's promise through his son Jesus as he's leaving this earth. I promise I will never leave you and I will never what? Forsake you. God is with you. Britain talked a lot about that last week. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is near, the Lord is there. Folks, listen, when you recognize God's presence, it brings you peace. That's what God does to Gideon. He says, Gideon, I know you're in a bad spot, but you trust me. I know you're afraid, but you trust me. Gideon says, how, how can I know that I can trust you? Because I am near. Amen? Are y'all excited or what? Yeah. God's near. Well, here's the last thing that I want to mention about this story about Jehovah Shalom. Is that you will come to know Jehovah Shalom when you know God personally. When you know God personally. Jump down to verse number 23. Excuse me, verse number 22. When Gideon saw 
that he was with the angel of the Lord, that he was the angel of the Lord, Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Look at that phrase, alas, O Lord God. That is the phrase Jehovah Adonai, which it means this, God, you are my God. That's what it means. Finally, finally, after this back and forth dialogue between the angel of the Lord and Gideon, finally Gideon says, God, you are my God. I get it. You are God. I'm not, and I have seen you face to face. And when Gideon surrenders to God and surrenders what is his life to the Father by, by understanding that God's called him, old valiant warrior, that you are called to deliver Israel, when he finally surrenders to God's purpose and God's will in his life, look what God gives him. Look at verse 23. And the Lord said to him, what? Peace. Do you get it? Peace, peace to you, do not fear, you will not die. And then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. Folks, if you, if you desire peace, if your life has been filled with anxiety, tension, stress, you name it, why don't you run to the Father? Why don't you run to Jehovah Shalom? Because he is peace. And when you run to him, he will give you what you need. You believe. You believe that he's working. You trust that he's near. And you get to know him personally. And here's what God, Jehovah Shalom, will do for you. He will bring you peace. Amen? Let's pray together.